0: Welcome, everybody. Another episode of Hollywood Godfather podcast. And again, just a dyna- dynamic trio. <laughs> uh, Pat Picciarelli, my Hi, everybody. writing partner and author and many other things. And a millennial. Millennial. Millennium. Why am I having so many problems with this? <laughs>
1: millennial.
0: And I'm going to get your last name right. Megan Haran.
1: No.
2: Horan. Horan. Okay. okay. Horan. Why is
1: this?
2: Even crazy? You don't have any trouble with six uh, syllable Italian names. You have trouble with that.
0: Oh, yeah. I, 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 you know, I grew up in the West Side. I grew up in uh, uh, <laughs> the
1: West Side.
0: The Westies, you know, I, was, didn't, I, I didn't go over hey, that much.
2: Something interesting that I found out before we get into the show I had a cousin that. You we're uh, into
0: the show, just so you
2: know. I had a cousin that I had a cousin that's researching uh, our family tree, and I find out my name is not Puccirelli. Okay, what is it? It's, what is it? Of course, it's Puccirelli. Oh, Puccirelli! Well, yeah, that's, funny that's my I... name. I don't know how, how the hell my father, when he, he when he was born, I mean, it's only one generation removed. He was a pucciarelli. I don't know how the hell I got to be
0: well, Pucciarrelli's—I knew Frank Pucciarrelli was major guy on Staten Island. He owned one of the biggest banquet halls and only hotel on Staten Island. You should look it up. The Boulevard, so the Boulevard Hotel on Highland Boulevard, was owned by Frank Pucciarrelli.
2: I'm going to check out the uh, relatives I didn't know existed.
0: Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Okay. What well, we? Someone asked us a while ago, and a mailbag question, I think it was maybe, Megan, you can refresh my memory, about the Bilottis. And I've I've known them all my life, and our audience knows them of Tommy coming of fame when he became the underboss of the Gambino family under the uh, transfer of power from Carlo Gambino to Paul Castellano, his cousin, and that's created the whole war between John Gotti, because they he felt they disrespected O'Neill, who was the underboss to Gambino all his life.
2: I think Tommy Bellotti became uh, most famous for getting murdered.
0: Oh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That, that That's what I'm saying. His fame, well, he was the underboss at that time. His great fame was laying on front of Spark Steakhouse. Unfortunately, but I, I knew the Bellotti family, all the brothers. His older brother Maddie was like maybe twenty years older than him, but they were all treacherous guys. I mean, street street guys, tough guys. I mean, really tough. In fact, Joey Bellotti was a professional fighter. His older brother above Tommy, and then there was Jimmy. They used to call him uh, the snake, and not not to be confused by the other guy, but uh, Jimmy Bellotti was a very skinny little guy and hung around Sinatra and Caesar's Palace in Vegas for years and a degenerate gambler. Most of them were in the family, and I uh, I had to as a favor to Tommy send his brother home in a body bag because he died and nobody was claiming the body. And I knew about it. And I called Tommy. and I said, I'll, I'll take care of it for you. And uh,
2: Why wasn't anybody claim? How come his brothers didn't claim his body?
0: His brothers didn't know he died. I knew because I was in oh, Vegas and I heard helped. the headline. No, they're all in that New I York. Helped. You know, that helps. That's right. <laughs> no, but and, and, yeah. uh, it, uh, and he, he had a, a, a they, they owned a lot of bars. They used to, uh, they used to own, well, Jimmy owned the surf club down there with a couple of people. Then he opened another club and Tommy o- owned a famous log cabin on Staten Island, which was a strip place. And then, then when he married a Crescido, they owned Crescitos, which was a nightclub in South Beach during when South Beach was a place of destination during the summer. And they had big acts going there. But, one uh, of the
2: Cruschitos was a cop, Joe Cruschito, who I worked with here. Oh, yeah? Yeah, one of the members of some distant relative. But I was introduced to the Bellotti name by writing Teresa Alessio's book.
0: Oh, yeah, hello. Pope, Pope Pope D. They did a lot of work for Pope.
2: Yeah, uh, it seems that uh, Tommy Bellotti had it in for uh, Teresa's longtime boyfriend, Tommy Ernst. Oh, he killed him. Hello. Well, that's yeah. He was really pissed <laughs> off. <laughs>
0: You know what Tommy yeah. Ernst, you know what Tommy Ernst did one night talking about a crazy guy? Tommy Ernst was so good looking. I mean, and we're all in Brooklyn, we're going to Regina Paddy, St. Fortunata's dances and all of that. And we took the 69th Street Ferry over. And we, or we're piling one or two cars, but the 69th Street Ferry used to stop running at 12 o'clock. I forgot what you were talking about. So we're at Regina Padres and St. Fortunata's, all that in Brooklyn. We get to the ferry in Johnny Gats's car, and the ferry stopped running. Now, we had to get back to the beach because there was a, a party going on that we wanted to get to. So Tommy Ernst, he saw them, the ferries were, you know, just idling. He said, let's take the ferry. I said, There's no more ferries. You know, and he said, no, let's take it. And they did. We got on the ferry, took the ferry to South Beach, and they beached the ferry. Beached and We didn't didn't know the configuration of the bottom of it. So as we got closer, we got beached, and it it lists to one
2: side. You know, funny you should bring that up, because uh, uh, Teresa, who I wrote the book about, the DLSC family, she said, Tommy Ernst would steal a hot stove. If it wasn't nailed down, he would steal it. Oh, yeah. he I and that's, mean, how, that's how Tommy Bellotti got pissed off at him because he stole some drywall from one of his houses. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, he, he would bid jobs. And at nighttime, he'd send a crew like, out sorry. to rob <laughs> all the sheetrock from another job.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, uh, the Bellottis had, had a name. They, they were fierce, these guys. and Oh, my uh, God. He, he just didn't care.
0: Oh, he didn't care. Well, Tommy was a tough guy himself, and he'd take you out in two minutes. But he was, I I mean, he was really, I think, qualified insanity. I mean, this guy was nuts. No, he was crazy.
2: Tommy Ernst.
0: Yeah. Oh, Tommy Ernst, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, Tommy Bellotti was calculated. Tommy Ernst was impulsive. I I saw Tommy Ernst outside of Joe DeBaker's in South Beach, which was deplaced for pizza. Joe DeBaker was, that's when they had a Ferris wheel right on South Beach, on the beach, the end of Sand Lane. And these kids were lining up a pie. And Joe Joe DeBaker was an angry old man, a lot of money, came from Sicily and made tons of money. And uh, his son got nasty with these kids. Tommy Ernst jumped over the counter and beat the guy almost to death. I mean, banging his head against the cat, the, the, the tile counter. Blood everywhere. And, care, right? and these kids were running. I mean, no, they didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't care about nothing. Tough guy.
2: Uh, uh, Tommy knew that the Bellatis were out to get him, and he just still didn't care. He was out in public. Oh, yeah. Teresa D'Alessio convinced uh, uh, Tommy Ernst to go to uh, Jersey and just lay low for a while with one of Terry's relatives. Uh, Tommy Bellotti and his brother got wind of it and they were lying in wait for them when they came down this long dirt driveway. Right. The shootout between cars was like Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, Teresa's in the back with a rifle. (laughs) And uh, Tommy Ernst is driving. The other car, Tommy Bellotti's brother's driving and Bellotti's leaning out the window and they're exchanging shots.
0: I know. I mean, they were. They were. I mean, I. I can tell stories about Tommy. Or I mean, Tommy was. Tommy was going out with one of my sisters. He's two years older than me, and uh, he didn't care about nothing, nothing. And what, what I had a problem because when he started coming to Vegas, I was already in Vegas, and he would say like, "What are you doing? i come to you. you know, you 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 got the best tables and all that." And I had a Bentley, a sixty-five Bentley at the time already. And I said, I'm just doing errands, because I couldn't tell him anything. I, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't introduce him to nobody. He's a, he's a mad dog. And then fortunately, his ranks started, you know, being earner with Paul. He became Paul's bodyguard early on. And Paul, uh, Paul Castellano was a big earner for the Gambino family, but he was a legitimate guy. He owned Western beef. He owned Western markets. He owned the biggest poultry. He sold it to Purdue i mean the guy was a legitimate businessman but cheap and that's what none of his crew liked so when they gave him a crew it was hard because these guys were earning not like everybody else and they got a different count because paul just wanted the money and then how
2: did did belotti become so trusted by castellano or, or was it one of these cases where he, he needed a street guy around
0: him? Oh, he did. He needed a street guy around him that people were afraid of. Yeah. And Tommy put a lot of money on the street for Castellano. You know, he was getting one or two points a week. And this guy had so much money piled around. I think when Tommy got killed, it was a rumor. He had $6 million in Shylock money on the street. that gone? Or did somebody pick up on him? Uh, I could tell you who, but uh, it was all, all of uh, John's crew. Two guys in particular. Oh, well, that don't go away. No.
1: Gianni, is it known who um, Pilates shooter was? Or is that something that you maybe put everybody
0: that, that. Oh, who okay. That? It was Gotti? Oh, no. They, yeah, they, they put a crew together. The United, it was a brilliant. Something you would see in the movies. It was a brilliant hit. They organized a meeting, and Frankie Boy DeChico was one of them that organized it. And he was in Paul's crew. He was right under Tommy, so Paul uh, obviously trusted him. He was, and his father was Boozy DeChico, who was with the Gambino family as an underboss for years, in the Brooklyn fashion of it. So the, the the crew that they had was very loyal and. Treacherous, and because Paul wasn't, Paul wasn't a street killer or nothing like that. And they, he, Frankie Boy made a meet for five thirty at Sparks.
2: Those of you who don't know what Sparks is, it's a big, was a big uh, steakhouse. In,
0: oh, it still uh, is famous. Still is.
2: Yeah, I went there many times. No, it's closed. Closed. No, it's open. It's open?
0: Yeah. Yeah, opened again. It went out of the street times. Just because the landlord tried. You know why? Because the landlord keeps threatening them of what he wants. And they said, well, go ahead, you rent it to somebody else. Nobody's going to rent it. It's like six storefronts. It's huge. So then he comes back down and takes a piece of them and, they, they, and they're back open. But uh, I mean, to get a long story short, though, they orchestrated this and John Gotti sat at the end of the street to watch it go down. Now, understand this, this is one of the hits that a guy like me would say, thank God I never wanted to be in the mob because I had people around me always told me to stay away from it. These guys were all guys that eat and drank together, maybe breakfast that day.
2: <laughs> and you, you know, uh, it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was brilliant on its, on its own because this is midtown Manhattan, which is shoulder-to-shoulder people, and I'm not exaggerating, It's a week before Christmas. Right. And, and it, the street's packed. And these hitters, I think, there were, how many, four or five?
0: Would, how about this? There were six hitters, two backup, all in white trench coats with Russian hats.
2: Yeah, all dressed the same.
0: All dressed the same. And they had a backup car on the other end of the street. Now understand, Sparks is a one-way street also. So there's only one, when, when he made the turn to pull up, Tommy was driving. So Paul gets out, he's the first to go down, and Tommy is like right there, and they take a t- couple of shots. They're both sprawled out on the street, but it happened so fast, that knew, and these Russians scattered, well, what? the
2: tactics there were absolutely brilliant. First of all, the worst kind of evidence is eyewitness evidence. Right. You have one guy. Now you have six, all dressed alike, all the same height, all white guys. I can imagine that the cops must have been going crazy. Yeah, they, they couldn't. They didn't, you know. Okay. and, and, and eventually, right. Eventually, that- <laughs> they all got id What's that? They all got id eventually.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, well, a rat. The yeah. only way they solved that, like you said, they, you being a detective, they would have never solved that. One guy flipped, another guy flipped, and then they used those tapes, the ones that they made up in Mary's apartment above the Ravenite, where they used to have the meetings. Finally, the FBI got smart and said, why don't they ever talk business? As soon as they leave for an hour or two, there's no, no, nothing going on. Then they realized they were going up two stories on the back staircase, and they let Mary rent free. If she went to Florida, they'd pay for her to go. And they used her apartment. And they had that bugged finally, and that's when in, Sammy was locked up already. Joe Coffey had his way finally. I think he arrested Gotti about three times, four times. Yeah. <laughs> and this time was the time that was going to stick. And, uh, so, and again, the normal ritual, you know, let's see who could, who will flip. And they played Sammy the bull, the tape about John said, Sammy's getting too big for his britches. We may have to clip him, which broke his heart. And I'm only hearing this from you say, I didn't know Sammy the bull. Because again, everybody thinks I was still around. I left when I got to Vegas. The people who know me saw me in Vegas, not in, not in the neighborhood. I didn't come back for a long time. I, and when I did come back, nobody knew it. I was uptown and having private meetings and leaving again. But a long story short, Tom, I was told by the New York police, well, Joe Coffey was a friend of mine. I was at his funeral at, at, uh, at Frank, at, uh, Frank uh, Campbell's and his wife, and I still know them. But I used to go on vacation with Joe Corbyn, and they said that Sammy the Bull, who gave his life for this thing of ours, and John instilled it, that this is it, we have to be the family of honor, and he's saying he's going to kill his guy who was so loyal to him all his life, made him millions and millions of dollars, and a lot of killings for him. And that's what happened. And that's why to today, and, and Sammy's walking around, he don't think he ratted. He thinks John ratted, and that justified him saying, "Wait a minute," and that's it. But I mean, that's
2: rationalization. Yeah. What's he yeah. Uh, I, I I often wondered about what the definition of a mafia bodyguard is, because but Bilotti was known as uh, Castellano's right hand man, driver, and bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't armed that night. He wasn't armed.
0: No, no they would never go armed. I they, know, they, I had gums, they had guns. They had guns guns accessible to them. Yeah, well, not in the car or anything.
2: Accessible doesn't mean you can you can defend your life. The point the point is and how can you call yourself a bodyguard or, or, or in Castellano's case feel safe? I mean, he was he was the boss of a family. He probably thought he was bulletproof. Oh
0: yeah. yeah, and he's going to a meeting and with people he knew. And like you said, the fear of trying to have an attempt on him. Who's going to take the contract? Never figuring. Who's going to approve it? Nobody had to. They didn't guess. See, that's what they didn't equate. Nobody went to get approval to kill him. I know
2: that. But uh, but in Castellano's mind, he's probably thinking, I'm bulletproof. Exactly. I mean, the the other four bosses would have to approve me to get killed. That's never going to happen.
0: And not only that, because he was the biggest earner then. Everybody, oh, yeah. everybody that was, was so- feeding off him. No, I mean, that, that was his, that was definitely his attitude. I that remember, the- I, t- I tell you right now, I remember when Carmine, the maitre d' of the Copacabana, which I knew all my life going here since I'm 13, opened the Brooklyn Copa. And they called it the Copacabana. They had the right to use the name and everything else.
2: And one in Brooklyn? Yeah. No, that was
0: Carmine's Copa. That's that's what I'm saying, but it's Carmine's Copa. They gave him the name. But Carmine, everybody was associated to Carmine. Carmine had the black book upstairs of who who sits where and what. So why I'm bringing it up, I get a call from Tommy saying we just booked Carmine's Copa. He didn't say Carmine. He said the Copa in Brooklyn for Sunday night. That's great, because I was performing there. I was there from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday night, you know, it was always wise guys on different crews. They took the whole room. Why I'm bringing it up is this is the mentality of these guys. Tommy Bellotti calls me and says, now my girlfriend is going to be sitting. He knew the table numbers. She'll be there. I'm going to be on the other side with my wife and Paul and his wife. But I want you to to sing to her a song or two. She knows you know me, and it'd be great. So I said, Tom, whatever you want me to do. I was just happy they're all coming. I haven't seen him in a while, so I'm doing my show and all that is. I go, I, I, I you know, sang a couple of tunes, directed to that table, which was three girls. I remember. He comes busting into my bedroom, my my, my dress room. I just got off stage. What are you, a smart guy? I said, What are you talking about? I saw the way you were singing to my girl. I said, Hold it. You told me to sing to your girl that way. He said, You sang too much that way, though. Uh, I said, well, How am I supposed to know? I mean, this, these, this is the, the mindset you're dealing with. There's so insane a power that I should have had a, what, an egg timer to say when I should stop singing to her.
2: <laughs> this, is, this is how people get killed.
0: Hello, numerous times I was, that happened to me doing favors.:
2: I Tommy opened... had no I- Tommy had no idea. I mean this the, the beauty of this hit was the planning.:
0: Oh yeah.
2: all these people keeping their mouths shut.:
0: and Fran- just... and Frankie Boy de Chico, no less. Because he was, was rare. They were together every day: Yeah. Every day. But see, and I, I found out later why they all gave him up. Because Paul was so cheap. And now if he's taking over the family, what the hell are we gonna do? We're like 24 hours a day to earn some money? See, he never gave everybody their fair due. So the guys, his crew, they despised them. They despised them. And that's big problem. John, everybody no. loved John.
2: Knowing that life the way it is, though, and it's happened in the past, where somebody gets wind of this and to, and to score points with other bosses or to score points with Castellano, somebody would have told him. But am surprised somebody didn't tell him.
0: I'm going to tell you it's, why. It's day of- they feared John. Apparently. They feared. John put the fear of God in a lot of guys. John didn't care. And the people around them, I can't mention some of them. names, they're very close to me. They didn't care. That crew did not care. And they didn't go on Sunday morning to get permission. They just did it and then explained it later, like they did to this hit. He went to the commission. And he, I mean, when that guy even it got to Sicily, they had a problem with it. You can't take out a boss without following protocol.
2: Did he think he was going to get away with it by sheer balls? I mean, did he think he was going to scare the other four families into not retaliating?
0: Yeah, definitely, did yeah.
2: Well, that didn't work out. I mean, they, they they made attempts.
0: Oh, I know, but I'm saying, but he
2: that he was going to he was going to fracture everything by doing this.
0: But was he was a bit. Be... He was still the biggest earner.
2: Yeah, well,
0: that's it. It was always about money.
2: Too much publicity, yeah. though. I mean, to me. That era in 1985, that was the start of the downfall of everything.
0: Oh yeah, well that's when everybody was flipping. That yeah. was, that's when the RICO Act, all these guys would say, I'd do 10 years on my head. Yeah, because your wife and family staying in their house, your girlfriend staying in our house. When they knew and traced you and followed you for this many times, they knew where you were sleeping, where your girlfriend was. And then next in they bring them all in Even your children's houses. Say, how'd you get this house? You make this over here, and you buy a house for $600,000 cash? Rico. Boom. Boom. And they lose it all. Total different game. Families, old families, were being thrown on the street. That's what destroyed the loyalty, the mob, as what the world knew. You know, the code of silence was... Penetrated when it penetrated their pocketbooks and their way of life
2: but right, let me ask you this, uh, getting back to the Pilates, knowing the family as you did, we had quite a bit well not quite a bit, but enough in our book about the Pilates. right uh, weren't they fearful of his psycho brothers? I mean
0: oh yeah, oh, they brought him in yeah they brought I mean Joey was alive only. Maddie already died, only, only Joey was alive. And they brought Joey in. They said, "Joey, this had to happen. Your brother did it. Now you're in this life. Are we gonna have a problem? We need to tell us now. We'll kill you right now." <laughs> That's what they told him. We'll was be Joey watching. But new- yeah. Joey the marksman. Joey the was you- the marksman. Yeah. Okay.
2: Jo- you-, you wanted him to sh- uh, to shoot you, I
0: recall. Yeah, I-, <laughs> I was I was young and crazy. I was 26. Yeah, i they are
2: old and crazy.
0: Yeah, I was, yeah now I'm old and <laughs> nuts. No, but I, I wanted him. I mean, it was a crazy situation. No, I came up with this idea for the Godfather premiere because everybody was looking for me to begin with. And I snuck in just to go walk the red carpet. And because, you know, they, after that fiasco with Joe Colombo uh, in June 28th, and now here we are in February, March, for the premiere of The Godfather, I was basically out of sight. But I was not going to go to the world premiere of The Godfather. No way. So I'm going to take a shot. Literally, I'm saying, who's, I mean, if they announced Johnny, and you had uh, Army Archer on one side of the sidewalk, you had Merv Griffin broadcasting live from New York Paramount, so I felt if I walk up the carpet, Merv Griffin's going to say, and Johnny Russo, da-da-da-da, and, and whatever, and get shot. And
2: I of it. I, I, what the hell were you thinking?
0: <laughs> what here's what, I, here's what I was thinking. He was yeah, such a me. good marksman. He's going to be up on the roof and shoot me in the leg or the shoulder. And he went and he said, let me just tell you something. This is not going to work. If a breeze came, I don't know gun bullets this way. I'd drop like you know. of rain. Yeah. Any- so you know who my date was? I brought my doctor, Dr. Theodore Jacobs. Oh yeah, I gave him my a tick my guest ticket to meet me there. He was in the limousine with his doctor's bed. Because I felt that if he missed, and then the next day, the na- the night before, Joey said, I'm not doing it. I can't do it, and that, I told a couple of people. And, and I got a call. And They said, "You're ready? You fucking mind? This ain't happening." What was
2: your what was your rationale behind this great idea? Why?
0: Because because I thought if I got shot on national television, I'd be an instant star. If, I, if this is the only movie that I've ever done.
2: <laughs> you were always so proud of yourself for not doing drugs in your whole life, and now I'm beginning to wonder. <laughs> You were on that night, what the hell were you thinking?
0: I just took. Why not? I took shots all my life. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you rifle, were, no you, less. Yeah, you, you, you read my book. Well, I figured he had to use his. I think I, I forgot the gun he had. It was like insane with the sight and all it that.
2: Didn't rifle. It doesn't make a difference where he would have shot you. He would have like liquefied all the tissue.
0: But yeah. I know, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So
2: it's a good thing. He was a friend of yours. and said, no, I'm not going to do it. I mean, yeah. fake.
0: Oh no, I know. But I mean with some other powers of beast that you're not shooting this kid. Not <clears throat> we got plans for him. <laughs> Thank God. More so than I knew. Okay, I, I mean, I, if
1: I can interject for a second, I'm sorry. sorry, I just want to ask you something. So you and Bilati and Tommy Bellati Ravi's friend, um, when you find out he's killed, what's your reaction? Are you oh surprised? Are you used to this kind of stuff by now?
0: I'm used to that. I mean and that's a great question because Tommy, you know, Tommy, I mean, we all know I I was, Marilyn, good friend dies. John F. Kennedy, I became a friend of, dies. They were killing people. That's why I only solidified why I don't want to be in his life. But I was in Chicago and it was breaking news that Tommy, I mean, Paul Castellano and his underboss was shot. Well, I knew who his underboss was. Paul Castellano made the headlines first. I mean, I had to sit down. I had dinner plans. I, I, I just I had to take an hour or two. Just, I couldn't believe it. And what I made, was your
2: first impression? What did you think happened? Did you, did you know John took him out? No, no,
0: no. No, I, no, I, did I didn't think? know that.
2: No. What did you think? You had to have a theory.
0: I, I figured Paul pissed somebody off. And that's who somebody took him down. Never thought John would do because John was... You know, John was right under O'Neill. And he, you know, he was a t- true soldier to O'Neill. And that's what got him. Nobody knew how affected he was that they would over, overpass O'Neill. Because see, John thought if O'Neill got in, he'd be O'Neill's underboss. So he said, screw it all. I'm going to become just my.
2: Solano.
0: I'll be the boss. Had you-
1: had you known that Castellano didn't go to um, Neil Delacroix's uh, wake?
0: Yeah. Well, that was when they were, the FBI was starting to watch a lot of stuff. And that was the other thing that they said. What an insult. So he breaks tradition. But, see, he was such a legitimate guy and only worried about himself. Paul, that's who he was. He wasn't a street we guy. Sort of,
2: we, we sort of passed over this. What Megan was saying was uh,
1: Castellano didn't go to O'Neill's wake. I that's know. A, Insult.
0: That's a major right. insult,
1: and that's supposedly one of the obvious contributing factors to why. Oh yeah, the and, the
0: and that's what John used. See, John used yeah. anything he could that the old timers taught was, was respect. How dare you not go? And that was it, man. No, it's uh, and 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 I tell you right now, O'Neill had a, a, a really bad death because. He was suffering throat cancer and never stopped smoking <laughs> until the day he died. Oh, my God. Yeah.
2: All these... I figured it was That's so commitment. late. Yeah. Stage four, uh, uh, esophageal cancer, he said. I have another cigarette. What? Tell you
0: know me? Yeah. Was that... Nick Nitty was the same way. And remember, Nick Nitty's father killed himself not to testify. Frank Nitty blew his own brains out. So, Nick, I went to see Nick in the last days. They had to move his, his bed down in the basement he couldn't he couldn't walk ten feet without getting out of breath.
2: What did he have? Lung cancer?
0: Yeah, same thing. I Esophagus mean, suff- and love and lung cancer. But he was walking ten feet to the door to crack the door to light a cigarette because he had oxygen tanks. He would oh blow
2: himself God. up. The last thing he would want <laughs> to do is dedicate to hurt. <laughs> I mean it's like People are unbelievable.
0: I mean, when really? you start to think of the, I mean, th- now you know. I mean, that there's definitely. I mean, I've always said that the, the really the mad dogs of it all. There's definitely insanity involved with their their whole upbringing.
2: Well, the least they are is uh, sociopaths. For most right. I mean, and if you're going to start taking human lives and live with that, I often thought about that. I mean, you know, wartime is different. I was. Right. But the but plot, and, and, and wind up killing a good friend of yours. That's what's going to take you out, friend.
0: Well, no, yeah. And, and, and not only that, I mean, and some of them, as we know, now he with Roy DeMay, who's dead, they enjoyed torturing you and mutilating your body and making you bleed out for days. And they'd, he, they'd look
2: at you. Meanwhile, he was a good family man. kids, kids loved him. I know. I mean, it's so bizarre. It's, I mean, but you know,
0: unfortunately again, you know, when we start talking about my mentors and the people who raised me, I mean, I, I was not going near that to begin with. I mean, I, I saw, I, I started earning money. I lived a life. What, do I need to be part of a member of any? I used to tell people, I don't want to even be a Boy Scout.
2: That's, that's ego, Johnny, just ego.
0: Oh yeah. Thank well,
2: you. and, and you, you become a made guy now. You have to, uh, you have to pay tribute. You have x and, x number of dollars. You have to make.
0: Oh yeah. Oh no. They—they okay. they tell you what, you what your tribute is. Yeah. You're expected twenty thousand a week. Okay. How are you going to get twenty thousand a week? You got to do more crime. We don't
1: care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, and yeah. what
2: happens if you don't make the make
0: the ben, I don't know. I guess they demote you. Or I don't know what they do. Or a bitch smack you or put you on the street. I don't know. But, you know, this, you know it's, it's crazy. And that's how a lot of these guys got into selling drugs when they weren't supposed to. Because they couldn't earn money. A lot of stuff was being clamped down. And a lot of them went behind everybody's back, including God. He wasn't supposed to know his crew was selling drugs. Hello. <laughs> but it's crazy. It's a crazy world. But the Bilotti brothers, I don't know how many people know this. Tommy Bellotti's father, when Tommy was a little boy, his father hung himself in prison. So there was a, a threat of insanity. And these guys were Brett? tough guys.
2: Beyond that. Yeah. So t- t- Tommy, as tough as he was, as feared as he was, as loved as he was by uh, members of his family, nobody avenged this guy, and that's how he went to his grave. Because, um, and this is a question, it's, is it all about business?
0: Yeah.
2: At the end, it's all about business. If you
0: took that oath, Yep. yep. That's the way it is. And a lot something, of people you know, still live that way.
2: It's something for his brother to swallow, though. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, he's dead. they can't do anything about it.
0: Right. And they, they brought him in. Out of respect. Hey, guy. About right. the rules. Sat down. Now, if we're going to have a problem with you, let us know now. We'll kill you right now. But we'll be watching you. Yep. And um, Tommy walked with two feet in one shoe for a long time, man. All
1: right, Tommy. Yeah. Yep. I guess, uh, is, that a, is that a show? Yeah, well, we can wrap it up and head over to the mailbag.
0: Please. But for the people who are inquiring, I love Tommy Blotti. I love the Blotti family. And... Uh, it's that old saying in that life. It's what they choose to do, man. They went out in the life, in the respect, and the honor that they devoted to these people. And that's it. I know their sons. Tommy had more kids than me.
2: I'm saying something. Wow. I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Rest in peace, my man. He was my best man twice in my weddings. Twice.
2: That's crazy. You yeah. were starting
0: to run out of friends to, at these weddings, right? No, no, I had a lot of friends, but people I trusted. <laughs> people I trusted, you know, I had a lot of wannabe friends, but I knew that. But just have a loyal guy, you know, was around me all my life. So it was good. But uh, good guy. Tommy Bellotti. Help me. Moving on. Let send us
1: off for a commercial break?
0: Yeah, let's go make some money. We'll be right back. Don't run anywhere. We know where you are. You know we'll find you. Today's show is being sponsored by Caudillone Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Caudillone Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco extra virgin olive oil from Sicily, they created delicious pasta sauces. Modern art, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneFineItalian.com. That's CorleoneFineItalian.com. All right, we're back to the mailbag. right, let's
1: get into it. First question is from Sunny. And says, what happened to the wealth of the old bosses? Did they hide
0: it? You got that right. <laughs> their, their grandchildren know. are living on it yet.
2: Well, sometimes oh. they too well. Yeah. Uh, and they die, and where's the money? Yeah, yeah.
0: That's anyway. true. My kids are doing that now. Dad, when are <laughs> you going to tell us where the money is? What money? I said, I got no money.
2: <laughs> Spent all of it on clothes and good times.
0: There you go. I'm
2: done. Fine.
0: See you later. Who, who, who I want to leave something to will be pleasantly surprised.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next is from KBT. KBT says Johnny, who influenced you with that style of shoes we see in the sneak peeks of La Costa Mia by Johnny?
0: My man, D. Martin. He gave me my first pair of those. I comp- I complimented him. I said, I love those Not saying that you know my left foot bothers me because of I, I, what, what my childhood stuff. That only came out in my book recently. So he said, you got to wear these slippers. I'll get them for you. And at that time, they were getting them from Cy DeVore and they were from church in London. And he had every color, everything. And I I must have I right now unconsciously I have 100 pair, 200 pair. And now I got for my own design coming out, and it'll be up on the mia website next month.
1: All right. Next is from somebody who is referring to themselves as Schofield's Love, an obvious prison break reference. Um, that being said, they asked, How was your prison break experience? <laughs> I
0: guess you didn't hear the show. I, I asked Brett Ratner, who is a close friend, who created the show and directed it? Uh, I said, You got to get me out of this. He's really talking about This is going to be a big series. You're going to regret it. I said, Hold on. All my life, I wanted to stay out of prison. Now I fly to Chicago every Sunday. A car picks me up and takes me out to a prison. And I have to stay here until Friday night. Don't make me I know, but still, I'm, out, I'm in a trail outside the prison yard five nights a week. What th- thrill is that? So, I, that, that's, I mean, it was a great experience. It was I mean, something you, like, how many episodes did you? I think I did six. I don't even know. It was the he was first. in
1: three. He was in episode one, two, and I believe 11.
0: Well, I shot I six. I don't know what they used. No, I asked out. Do you know that? Okay, good. I don't even know. I mean, well, I'm still getting residuals from it. It just went out again.
1: I mean, it's a very, it's a very popular show. I watched through, I'm into like the second season now.
0: I, I when I saw the makeup people putting a map on this guy's body and then they realized, you know, we could do this on a bodysuit and let him just put it on.
1: <laughs> oh, is that what they did?
0: Afterwards? Yeah. Or get wow. the guy tattooed. That's, so That's a lot of tattoos.
1: Right,
2: that's a lot of makeup. Yeah. Moving on. All right,
1: next is from Kevin. Kevin says, Gianni, what's your favorite Italian restaurant in Las Vegas?
0: Las Vegas? Wow. What was his name? Piero. Piero was a chef that came from Italy, had the best restaurant, and then got involved. And he got involved with a friend of mine, who once he opened up a, down the street from me, I didn't consider him a friend anymore. Freddie Glusman, and Freddie Glusman still owns Pieros in Las Vegas, and he owns a big restaurant in um, I want to say in, in Southern California. Yet yeah. he, he knows the uh, he knows the restaurant business. Freddie Glusman and Pieros is still there. The, that chef. This man is amazing. But that was the favorite in Vegas.
1: All right. Next is from Asaf. Asaf says, Johnny, what can you tell us about the Joseph Valachi testimony? Maybe Pat.
0: Let Pat tell him.
2: Joe Joe Valachi in in '64 was the first. Flipper. A guy. Well, you have to understand the the atmosphere then. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover was denying that there was organized crime, that there was any such thing as the mafia. And here comes Joe Volacci, who was a soldier. Uh, not a bright guy, not a school guy, these, dems and those kind of guy. But he had a great memory. Yep. And uh, he was threatened when he was in Atlanta. Uh, Vito Genovese said he was going to kill him. They were both in the same prison uh, for a real or imagined slight that Joe Volacci always denied. Genovese called him a rat. Vellacci said he didn't do it. Uh, but he, he wasn't going to die in prison, getting shanked in the back. So he had an opportunity to testify on the national television at this committee. And he exposed that there really is a mafia. He exposed the hierarchy uh, he talked about.
0: He took about the oath people. and everything.
2: Yeah, and this thing, this was on television in the early 60s when there were only three stations, uh, NBC, ABC, and CBS. I mean, the country was captivated by this guy. Right, uh, he was on for days. Yep, uh, he asked him a question, and and in his own uh, own way, he answered it. He was upfront
0: and very and, believable. He was a dude. He was a guy that you would think was a gangster. He sounded like a gangster. He acted like a gangster. He,
2: he made Hoover admit that. Well, I guess there is a uh, a a, a, a mafia. Yeah.
0: Uh,
2: it was embarrassing for Hoover. But this guy went down in infamy as the first rat. Yeah, that was. Because back in the day, you took the oath. You do it sooner, cut your own throat and talk. Then again, they didn't have Rico back.
0: Right. And that's again, I, goes back and, to Rico. Uh,
2: previously, hey, 10 years, I can do it on my head. And you could, because they took care of your family. But when you're doing 100 years, that, that sort of changes your attitude about the testing.
0: And everybody's broke. And they'll make you yeah, a but deal. That,
2: but that was Joe. In fact, Joe, Joe, Joe Valachi owned a restaurant in the Bronx, which my father several times, because he knew him, called Joe and Joe's. Uh, that's wow. I, I forgot where it was in the book. It, it, was, it was off uh, uh, Cross Bronx Expressway. That's all I remember. Like,
0: yeah. I, no, but I mean, the, 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 the thing that put the fear of God in him was Vito Genovese. Yeah. Because he was the boss.
2: Well, he knew he was going to die. He just didn't want to die in prison. Right. Had, had, had Genovese not threatened him, there would, there would have been no testimony and maybe. And
1: who uh, knows? Yeah.
2: Not, uh, 10 more years of uh, anonymity. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay. back. yeah, what's that? I mean, Robert Kennedy used uh, that. I've even forgot. I think the law was on the books, the RICO what? Act, for about, no, two, Rico wasn't about then. 10 or Rico 15 years. The, Rico they never used on, uh, it.
2: RICO came into being in, in the mid 70s and they never used it till the late 80s or the mid 80s. But uh, Valachi testified in the uh, or so.
0: No, but I'm talking about... whats your name used DeRico Rico with Carlos... uh, Giuliani. No. No, no. What? Okay. Before him. Giuliani used it here for New York Mob. But whats your name was using it even during the Kennedy... Before the Kennedy assassinations? It has to be because if he didn't introduce it, if he didn't introduce it, Why'd they whack him? They had Sirhan, Sirhan, right, whack him. John used it. It was on the books already, nobody used it.
2: I know, I, that I know.
0: I just Robert Kennedy started using it.
2: I just thought it was made much later.
0: No, you, you, it was more popular in New York because they were using it on, on a statewide thing, not a, a na- national
1: thing. Well, Rico is, is a federal. I know. all right on to the next is from eddie eddie says gianni what was your favorite characteristic of marlon brando's
0: what was my what
1: favorite characteristic of marlon brando
0: oh he's insane i just he was such a practical joker wanted to have fun he didn't care about nothing anymore especially he got older he got even more bizarre i mean no he was fun to be with I mean Brando I mean even on the, in the, on the set I mean all all the I'm for, you know I'm I'm here I am with Marlon Brando I've seen him on the waterfront all I mean the greatest things in the world and I'm friends with the guy just hanging out with him was fun you know just to be in that realm I mean he he controlled th- that existence I mean I remember spending nights with him at the uh, Elysee Hotel, at the, at the Monkey Bar, and did keep it open all night with him. We'd stay up all night. But uh, it was just something about him. I, I like characters, and I mean there were so many of them in my life, fortunately. But he was so amusing and entertaining. Not a vicious guy at all. All
1: right. Also from from Eddie, he says, "How about Frank
0: Sinatra? What's your favorite characteristic of his? Uh,
1: favorite? His singing. <laughs> <Of course.
0: laughs> Not his drinking, because they have. I mean, the guy, we, we know because we. I mean, Pat and I know Frank better than most people because we did research on him. I spent years and years and years with him, and you know, the guy was schizo. I mean, the man was. I don't know. How would you?" And, and, and
2: I, would, I would describe him as, as bipolar, undiagnosed. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: I mean, tremendous ups and terrible downs. Yeah. yeah,
0: And hates that's, rejections that's, and hates yeah. liars.
2: Well, that's a uh, main symptom of bipolarism. His high highs and low lows. Yeah. Happened at the snap of the. A- I'd
0: be with this guy, he'd be hysterical, crying like a little kid. And then the next thing he he wants to kill you.
2: Yeah, that's 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 bipolar. Crazy. But they did have a bipolar.
0: No. It by was, the
2: way, Rico, nineteen seventy.
0: That's when it came into law.
2: It was past nineteen.
0: Uh, how come Watson was using a law like that then?
2: It wasn't used until uh, the late seventies, early eighties. Anyway, I just I, I just looked.
1: Okay. Good. All right, next one is from Tommy. Tommy says, Gianni and Pat, what has been the highlight of publishing your book?
2: The accolades. I mean... The highlight for me was getting to know Gianni.
0: Oh, really? Thank you. That's nice.
2: Yeah, no, it really was. I mean, you and this book changed my life.
0: Really? Well, thank you. That's very nice.
2: I mean, uh, in in more ways than one. I mean, uh, if if somebody would have told me Three and a half years ago, that I was going to do a podcast, I'd have to look up what podcast meant, you know. And and here we are going, we're, we're going towards two hundred. I mean, uh plus uh it, it, it isn't bad that the uh, the royalty checks still haven't stopped. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and we became friends, and we no. met Megan, and it's, it's 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 a it's a snowball.
0: Yeah, it's a whole lifestyle we created from this book,
2: basically. Yeah. Uh, it's
0: been, it's, been it's been always
2: good. nice knowing that the product you turned out is good. And you can tell it's good, not because somebody gives you a good review, because it has legs, it doesn't go away. Yeah, it keeps
0: going, fortunately.
2: Books are sold word of mouth.
0: And I'll tell you, they just bought a bunch of books. I'm, I'm performing at a hotel, and they just bought a bunch of books for the high rollers, and they sent them out as an invitation, and bring the book, and I'll sign it. It's that's to a get great the, idea. Yeah, just yes. to get the people familiar. If you don't know, know who he is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You'll find
0: out. No, it's great. But thank you for uh, that. Us. I like that. I, 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 and Megan, I, I, without the show, we wouldn't have never met Megan.
2: You know, without the book. I, mean, it's, uh, I know, without the
1: book, thank goodness. Right. Uh,
2: six degrees of separation from a hardcover book. You know, I mean, uh, just, it's a win-win. There's no downside.
0: Thank you. Thank you. All of you.
1: Absolutely. All good things.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, that's all I have for tonight.
0: All right. Great. Well, another great episode. Keep your cards and letters coming. Make requests. As you could see, we answer them. We try to get to everything in a timely fashion. And the good news is we're getting thousands of letters, and we only do one show a week.
2: If you've got show ideas, let us know. We're more, we're more than happy to entertain uh, anything.
0: Yeah
1: yes please you know, who would have thought
2: when we started that we'd be doing uh, the 126th show I know <laughs> and really a lot is of these anything. ideas came from our listening
0: yep I all right thank you all have a safe week and we'll see you next Wednesday or whenever good you night listen night. to us good, good night
1: everybody. good night guys
0: if you're feeling sad and lonely there's a service I could render I'm the one who loves you only I could be so warm so tender call me don't be afraid you can call me maybe it's late but just call me tell me and I'll be around when it seems your friends desert you
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast you can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself, Megan Haran, with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at hollywoodgodfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night.
0: Hi everyone. I want you to tune into the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you hear your podcasts. Remember, we put up a new show every Wednesday night. Special guests, special surprises constantly, and you can get involved. Hollywood Godfather podcast.